After the sudden and tragic loss of her dad, today's guest and her husband stepped up to help her mom run the family septic and plumbing business. Today, we explore how they took the small mom-and-pop operation and grew it into a thriving business, generating millions in revenue, employing 80 people, and making the list of the top family-owned and top women-led businesses in New Hampshire. I'm Matt Mowry, co-publisher and executive editor of Business NH Magazine and Granite Media Group. And I'm Christine Kerrigan, co-publisher of Business NH Magazine and chief creative officer for Granite Media Group. And welcome to BizCast NH. So, Christine, Mm -hmm. in light of our guest today... Yes. You know, we take our plumbing and our septic and all that for granted until it all goes wrong. Yes, we do. So <laughs> I think everybody has that horror story of when it goes wrong and, and then the angels that come and rescue us. So uh, what's yours? Um, well, this may be plumbing adjacent, but I think it still counts. So um, I want to say four or five years ago, um, I was woken up in the middle of the night to banging on my front door. Um, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. It's 2 a.m. I'm hearing banging. I open the door uh, and there's a police officer at my front door. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, and he said, uh, did you realize that you're, you have a flood in your condo, I'm in a condo? And once he said that, I realized my feet were soaking wet as I went and gotten, oh, no. <laughs> gone to, went to answer the door. Um, it turns out that the water hose on my washing machine had burst and flooded my entire condo and my downstairs neighbor's condo. And their downstairs neighbor's condo. (laughs) So this was two o'clock in the morning. It was the middle of summer. I didn't hear anyone banging on my door because it had a fan on in my bedroom. (laughs) So I don't know how long it had been going. The fire department showed up. I had lots of firemen in my house. They were (laughs) cleaning up and they asked for all my towels and they were helping me clean up the water (laughs) in my kitchen. Well, I mean, there's an upside. You got a bunch of burly firemen in your You know, what are you going to do? It was the middle of summer, you know. Um, But... Since that day, I mean, I've got the steel reinforced hoses now on my washing machine and everywhere else in my house. Um, And I have a little bit of uh, PTSD, I want to say, when it comes to water. I hear water running somewhere in my house and I panic if if I don't know where it's coming from. (laughs) So, you know, we joke we have a lot in common, like, you're my sister from another mister. Exactly. But I just realized you and I have another thing in common, that we have flooded out other people. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So when I was in my 20s, I lived in Newport, Vermont. I was a reporter for the local paper. I lived in this third floor apartment. And so I had gone away, it was a, during the winter, I'd gone away for the, the weekend. And so I'd come back, it was kind of later at night. I came in and my downstairs neighbor, who's very nice, came out all panicked. They're like, Matt, you have to go up to your apartment. I'm like, what? They're like, water is coming down through our... Our, 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 our lights. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. So I go running upstairs. Well, while I was gone, I had a porch and apparently the door blew open and it froze all the pipes overnight. <sighs> Luckily it happened just like probably 20 minutes before I arrived, but that was still plenty of water come down. And the landlord hadn't been able to come yet to shut off the water. So I'm like, I had water in 
my bathroom. I'm like shutting everything down. Uh, it apparently was raining in the next two floors down. I oh, felt yeah. so horrible. They were very nice about, it, but like, you know, I was huddled underneath blankets for the night with no heat. And uh, yeah, until the plumber was able to come and fix everything. Oh, the we next had, day. our Waffle. places were, had to basically be gutted. We had to move out for two to three months and my place and the people below me, we basically down to the studs, Oh. Had to start over. Yeah. So that was a very, very challenging time. So that's why every time I hear water that I don't know where it's coming from, I'm like, where is it? What's happening? What's going on? So I think we can introduce our guests who can tell us about the other side of that equation and the people that come to our rescue in these situations. Yes. yes yeah. That would be, uh, that's definitely something that we need, hopefully. <laughs> not, not too often, but you know, when we need it, we're happy to have them here. Our guest this week is Mandy Rowell Hagen, owner of Rowell Services in Northfield, a home services company specializing in septic, drain, HVAC, and plumbing serving all of New Hampshire. The company was founded in 1983 by her parents, Dickie and Debbie Rowell. When she was a kid, she started off answering phones in the family business. And when her father unexpectedly passed away, Mandy returned home to help her mom run the business. Today, Mandy is a second-generation owner of Rowell Services, and she and her husband, Ian, have grown the business significantly during the past 15 years, employing 80 people and serving the entire state of New Hampshire. Mandy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. My heart fluttered when you read that story. Sometimes you don't reflect back and my heart, I feel the flutter. So thank you for yeah, that. Oh, I'm wonderful. excited to be here. Good, good. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning and, and what made your heart flutter there. Let's talk about how your mom and dad started the business and how do you, I'm always fascinated how people get into the business they are because there's not many people think, you know, I'm going to go into plumbing and septic and, you know, the jobs that nobody else wants to do, but it's so important to have. It's so a funny, how did they do that? It's a funny story. So my dad was an electrician by trade and worked for a family friend of ours. And he asked for opening day of rifle season off and his boss told him no. <laughs> and my dad said, hmm. Armand, his boss's name, I haven't missed opening day of rifle season since I was a little kid. I'm not missing it. And Armand was like, Dickie, we're really busy. I need you. And he goes, I quit. And he came home and he said to my mom that night, I quit my job today. And my mom was like, what do you mean? You quit your job today. And he goes, but I got a plan. Don't worry about it, Debbie. I'm, I got a plan. And my mom was like, what is your plan? And he goes, I'm going to pump poop. <laughs> no joke. And my mom just said, what? I'm going to buy a septic, septic truck. I'm going to start pumping septic tanks. And she goes, okay. <laughs> and that's really how it, all, how it all started. So um, he was a tradesman, very mechanically inclined, uh, started out as electrical work, didn't like the electrical aspect of it, too many parts and pieces, yep. wanted something more simple, very innovative guy. And he went out and bought a septic truck. He had one customer at the time and he just, just went for it. And, and yeah. what did he grow it into? So let's see. My mom and dad grew it into septic and drain cleaning primarily. So septic pumping for the first five, six years, and then started drain cleaning, which he built out uh, what we would consider a pretty innovative drain cleaning unit, self-contained vehicle with high pressure hot water on it um, back in 1990, 1991, which... It's come a long way and we have several versions, but the concept of what we use today is still very similar to what he developed way back then. So, And so while they're growing this business, you're growing up and then getting on with your life. So let's talk about what your life and career path were until 
Yeah. So I was uh, seven when my parents started the business. Um, My mom answered the phone. She was also a cosmetologist. And there became a point where the phone started to ring a lot. So she decided to give up doing hair and decided to stay home and, you know, obviously work with me in the summer and as a kid. And she told my, uh, my dad, I want a pool in the backyard. My dad was like, what? And he goes, if she said, if I'm going to be home all summer long, I, w- I want a pool in the backyard so I can enjoy something. And my dad said, okay. I like the way she Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I have memories of sitting in the lawn chair beside my mom on the big AT&T cordless phone that was huge yes. way back then, <laughs> yeah. right? And, you know, answering answering phone calls. And in the summer, you know, that's how I kind of grew up and, and helped her out. And she gave me as, as much as I could, you know, for what a kid could handle. And it just grew organically, um, just grew through our community, through the people my parents knew who who wanted to support our company. So fast forward to, I was, I graduated college in 1999 and decided, you know what? No, 1997. I, yeah, I graduated college in 1997 and I said to myself, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. Yep. I'm going to move somewhere. And so I wasn't exactly sure where, but I, I decided to settle on Colorado. I went out there on vacation with some friends over Thanksgiving, loved it out there. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to move. Wow. So I came back home and I said to my mom, I'm doing it. I'm going to pack up my car and I'm going to move out to Colorado. I'm going to have a job. I was banking finance major in college. You really like to pull big news on We do. Mom. We just, <laughs> just go right out, right? So, uh, you know, I'm an only child, which I look back at it and you know what? I think I was pretty brave to be 20 years old mm-hmm. and say I'm packing up my car and moving by myself Definitely. across country. To someplace I know no one. Yeah. Right. So um, I left. So I accepted the job at the bank that I was going to work for out there. I went out there Memorial Day weekend. That was 19, 1999 and just, just worked, loved my job out there. And in 2001, two days after September 11th, um, my dad was on a hunting and fishing trip in Alaska for two weeks with his uh, three best friends and he passed away in his sleep. Oh. Yeah. So uh, he had hard, had a heart attack. He had a heart attack 18 months prior, recovered six weeks later, was back at it, feeling great, lost 15, 20 pounds, and was feeling really good. And they think uh, most likely some car- scar tissue built up and he fell, he passed away in his sleep. So oh. that was two days after September 11th. I was in Colorado. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time. His name was was Ian, which obviously will come full circle here. And uh, Ian was dabbling in plumbing and heating as an apprentice out there. And we drove back cross country. There was no flights going on because right after September 11th. And we went through that whole process. And at the time it was uh, my mom, my dad and a helper, um, a really good helper. It was like his lead, his lead man. And so uh, the fear back then was that everyone was going to stop calling because my dad passed away. And he was clearly the worker bee and my mom was answering the phones. And uh, ironically, the opposite happened. And, and this forms into where I'll, I'll end my, my story, but um, the community kept calling and everyone kept calling. And my mom got a little overwhelmed with all of the calling and she's grieving my, my dad's right. loss, the loss of my dad. They were very happily married and just such an amazing couple and you know, huge aspiration to me. Um, and the community just hugged us and 
uh, my dad's friends, and I'm always so grateful. And I, and I do say it say it to them every time I see it. So I hope they listen to that this and understand how grateful I am for the opportunity that they gave us. But you know, they helped us nights and weekends, and um, just really stood by us and supported my mom. I moved back to color, went back to Colorado after my dad's funeral, and kind of just settled in a little bit. Got back to work, and um, about a year later, year and a half later. Uh, Ian and I, we got engaged and we got married in uh, 20, oh gosh, don't tell him I can't remember. <laughs> um, sorry, we so got, I know, we got married in, I know, we got married in uh, 2022 and then we decided um, at that point, um, mom needed some help with um, the business. She was going through some challenges with some of the employees, a couple of the employees that she had. Um, one of them decided to go out and purchase another local septic company. So that was her lead guy. So we said, you know what, let's go back and let's help mom. Um, being an only child, I knew I would have kids and I would want to be close to my mom anyways. So we packed up everything. We moved back to New Hampshire and brought my husband with me and we just kind of dug in and got to work. And that was 2002, you said? That was 2003. We moved back. Okay. Yep. So we got married in 02 and then moved back to New Hampshire in 03. Um, My husband studied for his CDL test in in Denver before we moved back. So he came came back to New Hampshire with his CDL and he literally just jumped in a truck with um, a gentleman who was a helper that had helped us out over the years. I think Gene was, I don't know, 76, 74, 76 years old. And they just went to town and mom and I started to work and it just... Was there yeah. any trepidation uh, trepidation about coming back into the family business? Um, it's not mm. something everyone chooses to do. Great if question. If it wasn't their dream. Um, I don't think I had enough time to think about it, yeah. to be honest. It was just the calling of, this is what we have to do. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I say this every day that Raoul's is the last little piece I have of my dad. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that I can make him proud and live his legacy, like it's pretty special. Yeah. So let's talk about making him proud because I imagine he's looking down and very much filled with that. When uh, taking a look at what you and your husband have grown this business into, can you give listeners a sense of the size and scope of the business when you took over and what it is today? Sure. When we took over, uh, we were a little less than a million dollars in revenue overall. It was uh, primarily septic and drain cleaning. Uh, it was about 2017, we got to a point where we made the decisions up until that point uh, off of our common sense, which I guess isn't a bad thing. But I was getting to the point where I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, I don't know if I should pull the trigger. I didn't really have any guidance. Mm-hmm. I was just going off of you know numbers I could figure out on a spreadsheet. Didn't really have metrics to follow or guidelines or anything like that. And so Um, About that time, we had grown probably to six or seven employees. And in the septic industry, um, in the drain cleaning industry, it dies off a little bit in the winter. People aren't pumping their septic tanks if uh, the ground is frozen. It's just not a common practice unless they're having an issue. So we were noticing the business was cyclical. So it was really busy from April to November, December, and then it it would die down. So we were toying with the idea of what could we do to offset uh, the seasonality of it. Mm-hmm. So um, we ended up taking on, uh, we did a couple of key things. One, we joined a business group um, that is like-minded individuals to help with mindset, motivation, uh, process, and 
we joined that group and we decided, you know what, let's look at some other trades that can help offset different seasons. And this and was the CEO Warrior group? This That was CEO Warrior. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, so we joined that group and we grew really, really fast. Um, and what was it about joining that group that helped you? What, what, what either advice, data, like what did they provide to you that, I, that helped you spur the growth of your company? Sure. Uh Looking back, we were with CEO Warrior for five, close to five years, maybe a little bit long, five years. Uh, and it was all mindset for me. I had to, I had to believe in myself mm. that I could grow something of substance and not be afraid. So it was very much about growing revenue, growing revenue, growing revenue, buy more trucks, keep going, keep going. Um, but there's a lot of good processes built in with that. And in the peer group that we were in here in New Hampshire, you can't always call your competitor in the same town and ask them questions, right? Right. But you can, in when you're in a business group like that, you can call somebody that's in a different state who's been through the same situation. And so the peer group that we had um, was really strong in that we could play and learn off of each other and avoid making the same mistakes that they made two or three years ago. So when we got into the group, we were uh, one of the smallest companies in in the group. And then we just continued to grow. So 2018, uh, we did it a little bit backwards. I would not do it the same way as how we did it, um, but we decided to add plumbing, HVAC, and electrical all at the same time. Wow. And in addition to septic and drain cleaning. And we'll be right back. Are you looking for quality networking in a fun environment? Join Business NH Magazine for the return of the ultimate Biz NH Bash at the McAuliffe Shepherd Discovery Center in Concord on March 28th. Meet leaders from New Hampshire's 2023 Top 100 Private Companies, Top Women-Led Businesses, Top Family-Owned Businesses, and New Hampshire's Startup Stars, plus the 40 influential leaders in New Hampshire as featured in the January issue of Business NH Magazine. Enjoy delicious appetizers and cocktails, explore museum exhibits, take fun photos in our photo booth, and mingle with the stars of New Hampshire business while gazing at the stars. For more information, visit businessnhmagazine.com events. Sponsored by Northeast Delta Dental, Merchants Fleet, Eversource, Ledyard National Bank, and UHY Advisors. And we're back with Mandy Rowell-Hagan. So we were just talking about you growing the company, adding on a lot of services all at once. Um, what were the challenges you encountered in doing that? And what were the successes that, what, what, what were the rewards you reaped eventually from that? Mm, great question. I would say the challenges, and I, I, I hate to call manpower a challenge because it's something that you just have to focus on. People can complain, I can't find employees, I can't find employees. Well, if you say that, you're right, you can't. So I've always looked at it a little bit differently. Um, we're always interviewing for people. Back in 2017, I think some of the key, I'll share the mistakes I made, maybe it will prevent somebody else from making the same mistake. That would be wonderful <laughs> because oh, I think we need to share more of our mistakes yeah. in businesses because we assume like, well, if you're successful, you know, you did right the whole time. I'm like, no. No, we did not. Did, no. We learned from our mistakes and that's where we got. The so, line yes. doesn't go up all, all the time. That's no, it does right. not. It has its ups and downs. No, so, it yeah. does not. What, yeah. what were some of the mistakes um, you made? So like I said, we launched uh, plumbing, electrical, and HVAC all at the same time. I don't know anything about HVAC. So 
looking back at it, I would have picked one trade, which would Mm -hmm. have been plumbing, and then I would have grown plumbing. And then that would have morphed into, okay, let's get into HVAC, heating and air conditioning, and um, let's grow that. But instead, I kind of just threw everything in the bucket and said, yep, let's do it. We're going to blow it up. Um, So that was a a challenge. It was a leadership challenge that we had, a sales challenge, uh, lack of knowledge challenge, you name it, and there was challenges. I basically ignored the HVAC department or side of my business for three years, three years too long. So um, then we made some really key strategic changes three, about three years ago, um, basically started over from scratch. And that honestly was the best thing that we did. So I ended up finding um, a great leader who had the experience we needed, uh, entrepreneur by spirit, but I I don't think he didn't want to be the business owner, but he wanted to build something. So we gave him that opportunity to get in there and build it. And he's doing a really, really phenomenal job. So I've turned a, a department that I really didn't enjoy or like at all yeah. to one of the funnest actually. So it's been the most rewarding thing is watching them, my team be successful. What did you go through as a leader in in that struggle, because mm. it's hard when you start something you think is going to be successful, and then when it's not turning out to be, you know, at some point you have to face the music, right? So you could have easily just said, "We're scrapping it." it done. I said I don't it so many it. times. So what made you? What, <laughs> so what was the mindset you had to go through? One to accept things were not going the way they needed to, and then two, go, "We're not scrapping. We're going to reboot." I think our ability to not give up on something. Mm. Uh, at that point, we had been into it for uh, close to three years. We had bought the trucks, we had bought the equipment, we had bought the material, the tools. We had a lot of the resources. Yeah. We had a huge investment in it. Um, we have thirty thousand customers, and the fact that we can offer another service for our customer. I couldn't give up on it because I knew it was right there. I knew it was so close. We just had to keep going. So it was the mindset that I learned in CEO Warrior, just don't give up. And I, I blame myself because I just didn't put enough emphasis or focus on it in the beginning like I should have. And so where where does that part of the business at and where's the business overall? Yeah, so we're going to close out this year at about 15 million. Wow. Yeah, so we've grown a lot in the in the past few years. There's 80, 86 of us total. Um, we've done some really uh, core changes amongst leadership and building what we call silos, business silos. So overall, our company is, is large, 85 people. Uh, but department-wise, there's 10 to 15 people in each department. So when you break it down that way, it feels more more genuine. It feels more like five mini family-owned businesses, which mm. I think is really unique. So if you want to feel big, you can feel big. But at heart, I feel like we're really, we're really still small, which is a plus. So I want to shift a little bit and ask you about um, being a woman in this industry, because this is a traditionally male-dominated industry that you're in. So have you found it to be an advantage to be um, a, a, a woman leader in this industry or a disadvantage? What, have, what has been your experience? I don't have an answer to that either way. Mm-hmm. I've never felt discriminated against. I've never felt like I've had an up because I've been a female. I think uh, I've always gravitated when I was a child. My friends were boys. Um, I think I've always gravitated towards men, but I have so many amazing business leader women friends. I've never really thought about it. 
I love playing in a man's world. And I think that's great. It's actually, I really like to hear that. I think that's great. If it's not, if it's a non-issue, I think that's a a non-issue for me. I think all of my people, uh, respect me for me and, you know, I treat them how I would expect them to treat me and knock on wood. I've never had any issues. That's great. I love it. What has been key to the success that you've experienced? Um, because I mean, you've taken a family owned business literally from a mom and pop shop to a $15 million business. That's a phenomenal feat. The key is taking care of our people. Mm -hmm. Um, like going back to my dad's story, then when the community hugged us and surrounded us and really the community helped us succeed and be successful. So as we continue to grow, our responsibility to our community is to hug our community and help our community. And it grows on us as we continue to grow. It's our responsibility to take care of our people in our community. So when I look at it and I'll, I'll be honest, I try not to think about it too often. If, if I take 85 employees times an average family of four, we support over 300 people mm-hmm. in our community. And that's huge. Like the pressure that that weighs on Ian and Mai's heart every single day. Um, so keep it, taking care of our, our people has been, has been key. Um, I will talk to every single one of my employees. I know every single one of them by name. I know many of the wives' names, the kids' names. Like I like to be involved in their um, in their life. It's obviously gotten harder as we're growing so quickly, but really making sure that they're feeling supported, uh, cared for. It's it's really just all of the basics. People wa- people want to do great things for people that support them. And so I'm always curious about this. Toilet humor is the height <laughs> of my family. What is the weirdest thing in plumbing and heating that are plumbing and, and, and septic that your employees have had to fish out of a pipe? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll tell you two quick stories. Yay! Okay. So this was my dad's story. Oh boy. This is bad. <laughs> you can share with us. Okay. So my dad goes to this house and he didn't have any teeth. And he, the, he, didn't, he was missing his dentures. Mm-hmm. And the gentleman had a little too much to drink the night before and threw up in the toilet and lost his dentures. Oh, oh no. no. Yes. <laughs> and he was on a septic tank. Oh, oh no. So he, my dad was there to collect the dentures. <laughs> so my dad <laughs> dug up the septic tank. Oh, I'm not sure this is appropriate, but I'll say it. <laughs> my dad dug up the septic tank. And needless to say, my dad found the dentures in the septic tank. Mm. So my dad used the sewer spoon and scooped them out for him. And he took his dentures and he walked over to his garden hose. No! And he rinsed it out. No! And he put them back in his mouth. <laughs> wow. I don't think there'll be a single story I know. ever told on this podcast that will top that. I know. It was bad. Um, second quick story. Uh, we were doing some maintenance on our tr- on one of our trucks, our pumpers, and we found a wedding ring. Oh, wow. Yep, we found a wedding. We tried to research it back to see where maybe it came from, and we advertised it. Uh, WMUR came. We, we were hoping to, to locate the, the owner, um, but no, no luck there. We did also, we had a woman, uh, this was probably four or five years ago, showed up at our office crying hysterically. Oh my gosh, what's the matter? Uh, she was at the car wash down the road and she was washing her car and her significant other, her spouse just passed away and she had lost her wedding ring oh, no. down in the great 
of the car wash where all the water drains. And so our guys went running over and they were able to retrieve that. So that was pretty, that was pretty special. So yeah. yeah. So finding that, so when we found that wedding ring, we also found a matching pair of diamond earrings. Oh, wow. Which to find two of them is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> we did. I, I couldn't believe that we. What was going it. on at that house? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to so, find a matching pair in your own house. Sometimes I know so. for sure, for sure. Oh, so so wow. yeah, we see everything. So yeah. what does the future hold for this company? Where do you want to continue to take it? Where do I want to continue to take it? I say every day, we're just getting started. I tell my people. I will, we will, I don't want to say I, we will grow Rowell services as big as we can, as long as we have the great manpower and the great people behind us to do it. And And it has to be fun. And what are the lessons you take from growing up with your mom and dad and watching what they grew that you continued? What's the legacy of their, of what they provide you growing up and in the business that you carry forward with you? Like I said, I think just knowing, I honestly think my dad would think I was crazy. <laughs> I don't think my dad ever envisioned Rowell's to be what it is. So I do mm. think that he would be really, really proud. So that makes me really happy. Like it is the last little piece that I have of him. Um, from a personal note, the love that my mom and dad had for each other, it just, it's just remarkable. So that for me personally is what I live up to. And my husband is very, very loving and we have a great relationship too. So, um, I feel like we're, we're doing it all. Like we're working really hard. We're having fun. Um, we overcome challenges. We work together. We're growing a great team. We're helping our community. Like what else do you need? Our kids are healthy, like happy. And I don't know where you can add to that. No, I know. I think I just, that's I think a great that's, place for, I think, yeah. us to, we haven't to been, end our interview. We haven't been perfect along the way, but if we screw up, we fix it. You know, it's just, you just keep moving every day. Absolutely. Well, this has been a, a great chat that we've had today. We appreciate you coming in. Mandy Rowell Hagen, owner of Rowell Services in Northfield. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Christine Kerrigan. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group. 